HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. HRN is food and beverage radio supported by you. Learn more at heritageradionetwork.org. This episode is brought to you by Roberta's, home of Heritage Radio Network since 2009. Learn more about Roberta's at robertaspizza.com. So you don't shun the devil with your rock and roll load. Knows that country music's gonna save your soul. The Welcome back to the Speakeasy. I'm Damon Volte. And I'm Greg Benson. Tales of the cocktails upon us. Once again, Greg. It is officially Tales-mas. Happy Merry Tales-mas, everyone. Hey, Damon, ask me if I'm in New Orleans right now. Are you in New Orleans right now? No, I'm not in New Orleans right now. Uh, (laughs) Despite my best efforts, I'm not in New Orleans. I I made an attempt at it yesterday. We had some gnarly thunderstorms that blew through New York City here. And uh, I was just kind of like, you know, I was sitting at the Shake Shack at uh, at Wing B of Terminal 4 of JFK, working on my laptop, minding my own business. All of a sudden, I get a notification on my phone, your flight to New Orleans has been canceled. I was like, what the hell? And that was the first time I'd looked up in like 30 minutes. Not even that, probably even like 15 minutes. And I'd gone from being a beautiful summer day to just like this apocalyptic Lord of the Ringsian Mordor thunderstorm downpour. And I was like, I, I went from being super pissed off to being like, oh, oh yeah, okay, yeah, that 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 actually kind of makes sense. So uh, I'm making another attempt at the summit tonight. So hopefully uh, the next time I'm on the speakeasy, I will have been properly New Orleans, which means I will be uh, sleep and vitamin deprived and uh, probably about 15 pounds heavier as the Lord intended it, of course. Yeah, of course. Well, you should have been drinking a hurricane uh, just to, you know, get get all, check all, <laughs> all the boxes. It would have been so appropriate for so many reasons. Right, exactly. So the thing is, as our listeners know, um, we've been nominated for Best Broadcast, Podcast, or Web Series for every year that it's been a category since it became a category, we've been nominated. We've we've made the top four, I believe, every year, or at least most of them. Um, I, but I think it was top four every every year. Um, but it's uh, it's one of those things where, you know, I, I'm actually not going to be Tales of the Cocktail this year. It's I've been to a lot of them. Uh, I decided to take a break this year. Uh, you know, I got I got married and I've got all this stuff going on uh, back here in California, uh, and. 
of course, it's the year that we're going to win. You know, I can just feel it. You know, not being there, it means that we're going to win. So I won't be able to accept the award, um, but uh, bring me bring me home a crystal plate, you guys. Uh, Souther, of course, is not here on the show today. He's already there. He's actually teaching a seminar right now. So, uh, uh, you know, go look, track him down and uh, go find Souther. I'm sure uh, he's not hard to spot, you know, those big red glasses and all. So <laughs> give him a give him a hug for me. Um, so, you know, I, I often think about tales in this way, and it's usually in the airport on the way back. You get to see so many friends, you know, in, in, in industry people you maybe haven't met yet that you've wanted to meet and you've read about, you've seen stuff about them online, recipes and, and some of the cool stuff that they're doing. You know, for me, it's like flying back to New York when I'm at the airport in New Orleans, I'm looking around, I'm like, this is like, I didn't have to go to the Monteleone. Everyone's here at the airport, but I also get that feeling every year. I'm like, if this plane goes down, half the bars in New York City are going to have to close because <laughs> everyone is at the airport. So that's a weird feeling, but uh, it's also, you know, it's just what a great place to be in in New Orleans. It's a, it's the, I always say it's the most unique city in the United States. Uh, which, if you think there's a, a more unique city, I, I will fight you. Um, so don't even step to me on that one. Um, great food, as you mentioned, I, that's one of the things I miss the most, uh, for this year is not being able to go and see like Chapnina at Compare La Pen and go to like Kashan and all those great places. Uh, I haven't, uh, spoken with Nick Jarrett in a while, but, you know, going to see him, uh, is always a pleasure, you know, whether it be at one of the great cocktail bars he's working at or at the dive bar, the Saint. Um, so it's just a, it's a wonderful city. I, you know, I don't drink coffee anymore, but, uh, you know, those frozen Irish coffees at Aaron Rose are always a standard. Oh, man. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, and just, just go in Aaron Rose. It's like the, it's kind of like the mini Monteleone, if you will. You know, you're, you can always run into someone there and it's kind of one of the fun things. It's almost like being at camp or something, you know, cause like you'll run into people everywhere you go and then your day will, the plans will just change in a way. It's like, well, I was going to go over here, but I just ran into you. So what are you, where are we going? Like, and, and just go there. No, I, I, I love it. I love it. It's the, that's the magic of new Orleans and that's the magic of tales. In fact, the first time I ever went to new Orleans was my first tales, like cocktail in 2017. And I remember like I hit, bourbon street like that first night there and the first thought that just involuntarily crossed my mind is just like why is no one stopping this like i'd never seen it before and i was just like this this shouldn't i'm glad that no one is but it just feels like the sort of thing that shouldn't be allowed you're right it's right. it exists in this magnificent snow globe that you really can't capture anywhere else and i haven't been back in several years so i'm i'm really excited for the um the class reunion and to see some people taking some seminars, hopefully uh, bring home a nice set of crystal flatware for you, Damon. And just kind of reconnect with just kind of that, that, that new Orleans magic that really can't exist anywhere yeah. out there. I'm stoked about it. Totally. You know, I got to, just while we're talking about this and before we get into the rest of the show, the, the, the actual show, I, I have my set of rules for tales of the cocktail and they are as follows. Every time you see water, drink it, unless it's in the pool. Never finish a drink unless you paid for it. That's the option. That's optional. And usually that means a shot. 
Um, but <laughs> there's so many parties and seminars and classes, all the all these activations going on. Don't feel like you have to finish every drink that gets put in front of you. And, and I don't mean to like sound wasteful. I'm just trying to make you not wasted. And then the third yes. one, this is very important, is schedule time for sleep. Because as you said, New Orleans, Bourbon Street, it's 24 hours. You're going to run into people and you're going to say, hey, like, let's, we should grab a drink later. Yeah, sure. Let's go. Uh, let's meet at the Monteleone around 4, 30. And you're like, a.m. or p.m. And they're like, a.m. And you're like, ah, oh, crap. Uh, you know, so like it's one of those <laughs> things where it's like, make sure you're scheduling time for sleep. I think that's where a lot of like first, second timers like get really, uh, that's where they get stung, you know. That in the water thing. It's, it's New Orleans. It's July. It's it's the hottest place you'll probably ever go. So make sure you drink lots of water. And that's all I'm going to do for my dadding of the bartending community. Um, but it's true. It's helped me out. I have gone a billion times. And it's I just heed, heed that advice. <laughs> that's all I'm no, saying. yeah, absolutely. That's the, the I think that's good advice for our brethren and sisters that are that are there right now. Um, Yes, the, the water thing. The first time I went, Southern actually gave me that advice about like never finish a drink. And of course, I was in my mid twenties. Yeah. I was just like, <laughs> free booze. Yeah, yeah. yeah thanks, <laughs> thanks for that advice, Grandpa. But uh, he was right. It turns out. I think that's also some, one of those things that you kind of have to learn by trial and error. But yeah, and I think it's also. I'm. I don't know. Maybe maybe the bar community is aging and maturing, or maybe we're just getting older. Note how I didn't say maturing there. We're just getting older <laughs> and can't party the way that we used to. But I do think that the last couple of years, it seemed like there's been more of an emphasis on like, you know, make, make sure you're good. Don't be... Don't look like an extra in The Walking Dead by the time right. the seminars on Friday morning roll around. So, yeah, take care of yourselves. But also, uh, I guess, geez, I guess if you're going to be dad here, I have to be like the cool mom and be like, but have fun. You know, <laughs> yeah, kick, kick back course. a little bit. Moder moderation in everything, especially moderation. Like pick yeah. one or two nights. And if you're going to just like go a little crazy, you know, don't feel bad about it. Just, you know, make sure you eat a vegetable and, and get a decent amount of sleep at some other point yeah, there. Eat a vegetable for sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, fried okra counts. Just saying. Yeah, exactly. All right. Well, let's get into the show. Why don't you bring our guest in? Yeah. Yeah. So we got to, we got to switch gears here. We got someone coming in from, uh, you know, we were talking about a, uh, a very hot, steamy, humid, sweaty place. And we actually have someone coming in from, uh, a place that I'm frankly a little bit jealous of right now from uh, Oslo in Norway, which is, sounds a little bit more temperate, but no less fun and awesome. And I'm excited to hear about it. We have Adrian Mikhailchik coming in from Pier 42. Welcome. How are you? Hello, guys. Thank you for having me. I'm, I'm fine. I'm uh, uh, chilling in Oslo. <laughs> uh, I'm all good. Thank you very much. How are you guys? Doing great. Uh, always. Doing, doing wonderful. How did I how did I do in the pronunciation of your name? By the very way, very good that, actually. That... It was uh, almost fluent, I would say. Uh, it's uh, it's not a uh, very English name, right? It's a typical, very very Slovak or Czechoslovak name, and of course, it's uh, it's quite hard to, uh, with the pronunciation. But you nailed it. So uh, I, I think that I will bet maybe you have a roots in a, in a Czechoslovakia. <laughs> oh no, no, I have I have a head cold that I'm getting over. So I think that helped me with the with the pronunciation of the ch in there. So I think that oh, was credit to my co-star. <laughs> Um, so, but yeah, like you mentioned, you're from Prague originally. So talk to us a little bit about how you ended up in Oslo in the first place. 
Uh, yeah, originally I'm Czechoslovak, you know, like it was uh, still one country once I had been born. Uh, then uh, later on they divided, uh, but still till nowadays, like brother and sister, you know, it's not really difference between Slovakia and Czechia. Uh, my parents still live in the Slovakian part now. I previously lived in Prague, that's true. Um, and then I have been stolen to Oslo. Uh, it was uh, it was uh, basically um, uh, because of bartending. And uh, in a time when I when I lived in Prague, I, I worked uh, in a beautiful bar called Le Fleur, uh, which basically has been mixology and champagne bar. And and that moment, actually, I um, I uh, completely fell in love with the with the mixology and the flavors which we developing for our guests, of course, uh, with the hospitality industry. And uh, there was this competition world class, which I saw like in year 2015 for the very first time. And uh, and later on, like a year after I joined, and uh, I did quite uh, quite good, I would say, on a global stage in Miami, uh, when I ended up uh, in top six. And it brought to my life a lot of traveling after. And one of the countries where I traveled um, for, for guest shift and uh, masterclass has been, uh, has been Norway, here in Oslo. And uh, I stayed in touch with uh, with the guys, which has been uh, running that bar where I where I have been hosting, um, and uh, they have been opening very interesting concept, which actually brought me here into Norway. Uh, I just came to visit one summer, you know, and speak about the about this opportunity and uh, the bar which they have been opening, and uh, we get uh, ridiculously drunk, you know, we shook hands, and uh, and two months after I have been moving here, so <laughs> that was not really uh, planned that much, but yeah, that's how I end up in a, in a Oslo, which is actually a beautiful city, um, Norway in general is a beautiful country with a very pretty nature, and uh, also good people, the evolving bar scene, um, so it has been a very attractive place uh, for me to, to move, so... Uh, yeah, I'm here like five years now. That's awesome, man. And and one thing that you mentioned that I that you know we hear a lot about, um, I think I think as people with uh, kind of lefty politics in the United States, it's natural for us to get a little bit jealous of the Scandinavian countries because you know y'all are are really killing it in terms of you know a lot of uh, social you know social programs, a lot of uh, equitable society things. Uh, <laughs> paid paternity and maternity leave. But one other thing that, you know, I think us, us, you know, crunchy granola liberals get a little bit drooly over is the, the environmental policies that are really, you know, just, just miles ahead of what we have. And one thing that you mentioned that, that sort of drew you to the bar was the sustainability of it. And a lot of the focus on creating a sustainable bar program that isn't wasteful and that, you know, is is designed to really maximize the output of all of the ingredients you have. I'd, I'd love to hear a little bit more about that. Oh, definitely. Uh, look, um, Nordic uh, Nordic countries that are um, yeah very sustainable, not just like uh, with a uh, with a you know, lifestyle in general. Since like uh, here we have like very good like uh, you know, social and healthcare system, and also the rules. Uh, are set up in a way that people they have time to to live their life you know like uh, you you can't work basically 12 hours uh, a day and uh, seven days a week uh, here we have basically like eight hours 
and maximum five days a week, uh, which we work in. Of course, uh, some people, they work a bit more, but in general, like uh, the lifestyle here, it's uh, very balanced, In I would say. Uh, also, if we will uh, speak about gastronomy in general, uh, this is a trend which started uh, years ago or decades ago, I would say, uh, with the restaurants. And uh, we, of course, in the bar industry, we are very much uh, inspired by by chefs and uh, and uh, an approach to 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 the things or ingredients. And uh, here in Scandinavia, you know, like we have like very short season, and it was like very obvious uh, that um, that people are preserving and trying to trying to use the local products, uh, but uh, preserve them and have them for all year. You know, there we speaking basically about like uh, fermenting or or preserving and so on, which Norwegian or like Nordic uh, cuisine is about. And we at the bars, of course, we got influence from uh, from uh, from chefs. And we also trying to to apply like same approach uh, in uh, in uh, creating uh, our cocktails. Um, sustainability for me is not just about basically preserving kind of or like using local things and uh, trying to minimize the wastage, but it's also about um, try to not create wastage again. You know, to think step ahead, and um, and that's also what we're trying to to apply in a bar, of course, with local things. Um, reusing things uh, and using uh, everything. But yeah, uh, preserving is basically uh, like um, kind of way how to how to uh, how to store the things, you know, in a, or work with the, with the ingredients in a way that we're not creating the wastage again. And I think like this is becoming like a very big trend worldwide, which is great because uh, uh, because sustainability it's also somehow saving the money, right? Uh, since bar is uh, is a business still, uh, but on the other hand, it's also supporting the local people and uh, and giving us also like completely different world of flavors. So uh, so that's uh, that's something what I I'm very happy to see in a in a in a world happening now. Yeah, no, that's that's one thing that I've always felt is absent from the discussion of sustainability. I feel like people, especially people who advocate for it, and this kind of pisses me off. They kind of discuss it like 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 eating your your spinach as a kid of just like, yeah, I know it's gross, but you have to do it because it's good for you. It's like, no, if you're sustainable, that means you're throwing away less stuff. That means you're saving money. Like it should like, you know, appeal to the better angels of people's nature. Sure. Like that has a mixed track record, but appealing to people's greed, that generally works out really, really well for whatever policy you're trying to put in place. Um, and, and I, and I want to ask if there's any, like I always used to love when I was, uh, you know, developing a new recipe or testing something, that sort of light bulb moment where you realize, oh, wait, this thing that I've been throwing away, I could repurpose it and do something cool and I'll look like a mixological genius and I'll save money. Like, did you ever have like a sort of a, a formative light bulb experience like that when you're working at Pier 42? Uh, yeah, like uh, many times, you know, uh, we uh, we naturally like, uh, of course, uh, throwing some things out and then we find out that we can uh, we can reuse that, but uh, you know, like we are we are a hotel bar, so uh, very important thing for me is like to collaborate also with our chefs in a kitchen, and basically we we creating uh, we creating for example garnishes out of the wastage or uh, just simple collaboration of like um, if you're speaking about um, I don't know egg whites which we're using at a bar, chefs that are using more egg yolks, right? So like this is some like very natural collaboration which is not really saving the planet, but as you said, like it's it's saving a lot of money in the end of the day. And um, 
we're trying also to to work with the local ingredients, but in a way uh, that um, plenty of those there are actually for free, just in the nature, you know, which I mentioned that the, uh, the nature is beautiful here. And um, we need to just like put a little bit of effort into that. Um, a couple of years ago, I found the ingredient, which is called the pineapple wheat. I don't I'm not sure if you heard about this. But uh, it's kind of, it's sort of um, herb, which is uh, a family of chamomile, I think. And uh, it really tastes like a pineapple uh, once you eat it. And so it's it's great source, basically, of like the flavor, which everyone loves around the world, which is pineapple, right? Symbol of hospitality. But we don't need to uh, now um, order the pineapple, which is coming like from tropical countries uh, to Northern Europe. Uh, but we can maybe source out like uh, something in in our nature, and, and work just with this. So sustainability is not just about uh, about uh, using uh, uh, all or parts of the fruit, for example, or, or vegetable or so on, but also about like trying to put a little bit of effort and, and source something uh, around us and simply use that. So yeah, uh, yeah, that's how we're trying to also approach the uh, approach the creative process uh, once we once we making a new menu, for example. But you also mentioned earlier, uh, sustainability is also, it goes beyond the bar or the beyond the restaurant. It's about like your lifestyle and like making sure that you have the time to even get out of your work and go and find that thing, you know, out in nature. Because that's that's one major thing about like, about what we do is, I, well, at least in the United States, we like, we just burn ourselves out. We, once we get our, our bar shifts, we're like so just destroyed that we, we just sleep in until the next shift starts. We never get to go out and enjoy our lives. So it's it's important to get out there. Actually, I, I went on a, a foraging trip with uh, Tim Masters from Chartreuse. We went to Prospect Park in Brooklyn, uh, and we foraged for ingredients that go into Chartreuse that grew that grow naturally in Prospect Park. It was one of the coolest things, man. We it was a bunch of bartenders. We got to go out and like have a relaxing day in the park but also we learned a lot and by the end of the day we had like these bags full of herbs mm -hmm. that we didn't know were growing in our own backyard uh and we could use them everyone took them to their bars and we started using them to make different drinks with and and i like what you said about the collaboration with the back of the house too like you should always be collaborating with a chef. If you have a food program in your bar or, or your restaurant, you know, uh, attached to your bar, it's like you should always be working with the chef because guess what? Most of the time they went to school for that and you just learned on the job. <laughs> so you can learn a lot from the chef, you know, but also it's, it's one of those things where it's, you know, if you think about this, like think about like the show drink masters, right? That's basically a cooking show. This is the reason why there haven't been too many bartending shows up until this point. It's because a lot of that stuff happens before the moment that you get the drink, right? So you're making syrups, you're doing tinctures and infusions, you know, you're creating garnishes, and it all happens very quickly because you don't want to wait an hour and a half for a cocktail to come out from start to finish. But we also need to think about the fact that cocktails, mixed drinks, came from the kitchen, they did not come from the bar. You know, the earliest forms of mixed drinks were punches and those were very culinary. So always always be thinking about that whenever you're thinking about drinks. So I, I like this I like this idea. And also cooking's kind of relaxing if you're if you're doing it for fun. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. Um also I as far as sustainability goes, I do have to say this one thing about uh 
bartenders from Oslo. You know Jesper Lind? Mm, you know the bartender, Jesper? No, not sure, actually. Okay. So there's a, a group of bartenders from Oslo that were coming to uh, to New York City for years, and I, I met them. And uh, just speaking on the note of sustainability, there's this thing that happens, like, Drinking champagne out of each other's shoes at uh, boots. Uh, <laughs> just reusing what? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's this thing like, uh, like Brian Miller became friends with uh, uh, all these Norwegian bartenders. He went over there uh, many years ago in, in Thomas Walk, and they were going to Oslo a bunch, and, and they started drinking out of each other's boots. Like well, after the shift, they would take off their shoes and fill them with champagne and drink out of them. And there's nothing more sustainable to me than reusing a shoe. Like glassware is too expensive sometimes, you know, <laughs> and it's, it's precious. It breaks. But drinking out of someone's boot is uh, it's also a, a real sign of respect. <laughs> you have to really like someone to do that. But I don't know. Anyway, that's a crazy, stupid thing to talk about. You have to, you have to really like someone, and then not also like the shoes you're wearing all that much. Yeah, like, exactly. I have, I have so many problems with that. But also, I'm just like, I don't want to be walking around like, you know, like in in. I mean, I have some sneakers that I've you know worn into the ground. But even those, I'm like, you know, my old beat up Chuck Taylors. I don't want to be squishing like champagne all over the sidewalk well, and into my socks the, for the rest of the night. The worst part is that they were flying back to New York, like right after that. So there was not even time. It was the last night that they're in town. Um, they're immediately going to the airport and flying back to New York. So think about that. Like <laughs> you've got to, that's, that's, white, white that's truth, yeah. Adrian, I'm, <laughs> I'm trying to read your face here and, and discern if this is like a normal thing that you're, if you're just sitting there like, oh yeah, yeah, this happens all the time. If you're just looking at us, like you people are fucking nuts, man. <laughs> no, uh, yeah, it's probably the second option. <laughs> it's more, you know, like, <laughs> I, 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 I thought about sustainability in a different way, but yeah, this is, uh, this is super inspiring. So <laughs> I'm still, still learning every day. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, let's get back on track. Um, actually, so I wanted to ask about the the fact that, well, one, I want to get back on uh, onto the cocktail thread. Um, the and I also want to talk about this as well. There's a certain dynamic that happens in a hotel, restaurant, and bar, right? So it's a it's a different kind of service. Um, I, I think it is anyway, and I, I love that a lot of hotels around the world are, it's like, it's not just hotels, but like bars and restaurants, everything's just elevated these days, right? But especially in hotels. One thing that I know from, I worked at a hotel, the Ludlow Hotel, the Lower East Side of New York City, and it was interesting working in a hotel where most of the people coming through you might never see them again, you know? And, and I think that's changed a lot because it used to be back in the days, like in the 1800s in, in New York City, all the great bars were in hotels. And then they started kind of moving out from the hotel. And I feel like it's kind of going back there. And to me, it's really interesting, especially in New Orleans, uh, you know, you've got the Ace Hotel, which is an awesome bar, the Monteleon bar. I mean, that's, that's a standard. You can't not go to the Monteleone and have a Sazerac as soon, soon as you get there. Is there anything that you found from working in bars before 
to the hotel bar that kind of change any any major things like as far as like uh speed of service i feel like is one because like you know there's uh people are they're moving you know they're like a lot of times they're staying at the hotel but they're they're going out to see the sites and do touristy stuff i mean is there anything like that that you you thought of that maybe helped out with that kind of style of, of service Oh, definitely. Like speaking about the independent bar and hotel bar, they are like two very different uh, bars in general. You know, obviously, like uh, also working in an independent bar has like a lot of plus, uh, but also cons. You know, which you can find also in a hotel. Like I've worked also in an independent bar before, and um, I'm a big fan of hotel bars in general. Um, the the one thing as you as we spoke about before that like you you have like. Um, much more opportunities to, for example, collaborate with different departments and so sure. on. But, uh, but you know, like the, the hotel is like a living organism kind of 24-7, right? So you have yeah. still some guests in the building. Uh, of course, like speaking about the bar, we opening also like, for example, the afternoons. Uh, but uh, we don't have just like people from from the hotel, but also from the street, which uh, which is something that really um, changed. Uh, at least here in Oslo, for example, like uh, a couple of decades ago, it was like uh, people that have been thinking that okay, like hotel bar is just for the hotel guests, right? Uh, right. Nowadays, like they are basically we are uh, located very centrally, so uh, um, the, the people are coming. Like we have like seventy percent of the guests that are basically uh, uh, the people or like residents of the city, you know which is great that we, we basically can create a relationship with them and that they are coming to visit us uh, more often. But um, that is also beauty about like uh, hosting the guests uh, which are staying at the hotel, which are travelers. Uh, sometimes like they are staying a couple of nights, you know, so like you, you might see them like two, three days in a row. Uh, or yeah. as you mentioned, that they basically they are like visiting the bar afternoon. They, they go for a dinner somewhere uh, and then they are coming for nightcap before they go to the room, you know. So uh, uh, on a on a on a on this factor of like hosting the hotel guests, I I like uh, to always kind of uh, give them also recommendations uh, or like you speak with them and they are traveling to other city, you know. And you if if you oh, yeah. work in a bar industry longer time, so we have many friends in different countries and different cities. So it's always always nice to just uh, kind of. Um, give the recommendation and, uh, and uh, send the greetings uh, by the guests to, to some friends which are working somewhere around the world, you know. So um, I think, uh, you know... And that will make people come back and visit you again. You know, they're like, man, that also Adrian happened, was yeah. so awesome. Like, actually, like, I, I want to go back to that bar because that guy was so awesome. I want to tell him about my trip to Copenhagen and my trip to Paris and London because yeah. he gave me recommendations for these places and I want to show him pictures of... Of me with their bar with his bartender friends, you know. Yeah, like many times happening. Yeah, many times happening. You know, and many yeah. people are uh, definitely coming back, even like from from uh, from some other countries. You know, they are visiting Oslo again. Many guests which we have uh, at the hotel actually are booking uh, the hotel because of the bar. So um, so I'm really yeah. very happy for for this fact. And uh, you know, like for me, uh, for nowadays, like I'm I'm very happy that I'm kind of working in a hotel bar because that's a period of my life which uh, you know hotel bar fits me a bit better than uh, than independent. But but as I said, like everywhere are pass and cons, you know, and also working in an independent bar is is super cool. Uh, for example, it's like faster process uh, once you have an idea uh, from the moment when you got the idea to execution. It's like the much faster you know like uh, the journey is uh, quicker you know like in a, in a hotel it's like 
always like uh, pushing the idea across a couple of people, then the, the answer is coming back, you know, and it, it can take a longer time, definitely. So everywhere are some plus and cons, you know. Yeah. Cool, man. Um, well, hey, Adrian, we're going to take a quick break here from our sponsors, okay. and we will be back in a moment. Uh, I'm loving to talk about this because also one, one thing I want to talk about when we get back is uh, bar snacks at hotel bars. They're just better. They're just better. Better bar snacks. They are. All right. We'll be back in a second. This episode is brought to you by Roberta's, home of Heritage Radio Network. Roberta's was founded in Bushwick in 2008 and has become one of the most iconic restaurants in the country. HRN made its home inside of Roberta's in 2009, and together they have become part of the DIY fabric of the neighborhood. Roberta's is open for lunch and dinner seven days a week and serves much more than just the famous wood-fired pizzas. Their team dreams up new salads, pastas, and sandwiches on the regular. Roberta's Tiki Bar is alive and well in the back garden, serving up frozen drinks in the summer and hot toddies in the winter. Stop by the bakery and takeout spot next door for fresh breads, sticky buns, and pizzas to go. But Roberta's also extends beyond Bushwick, with multiple locations in New York City, Long Island, and Los Angeles. You can also find their frozen pies in grocery stores around the country. The spirit of Roberta's, like Heritage Radio Network, is everywhere. Here's to many more years of pizza-powered radio. Learn more about Roberta's at robertaspizza.com. And we are back. You're listening to the Speakeasy on Heritage Radio Network. And Adrian's been in the studio with us from Pier 42 Bar in Oslo, Norway. And before the break, we were talking about like the differences of working in an independent bar versus a hotel bar. I totally agree with you. I think the hotel is, as you said, it's like a, a, a living, breathing organism, right? It, there's a lot of moving parts and it, it all works together. One thing I, I mentioned before the break I just love, I love bar snacks. I, I'm not talking about like necessarily free bar snacks that get thrown on the bar. Just like the well curated menu of 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 cool little like you know almost like tapas, you know, um, and it just adds to the adds to the experience of sitting in a hotel bar. And it's something that you don't necessarily get at independent bars. But that's me talking about food because I'm really hungry right now and it's almost lunchtime. <laughs> so, but but something I want to talk about, like, is I definitely want to talk more about the the Pier Forty Two Bar, but also about world class because the the finals are right now, uh, or the semifinals or the finals, and uh, that's coming up in Sao Paulo, which is awesome. Uh, what a cool thing to be a part of. Um, and as far as like, I know that like you're really into like the storytelling when it comes to the process of how you got to a cocktail and like, you know, to me, it's all the elements that come together uh, with like a hotel bar, like with the snacks, the story, the, the architecture, you know, like I'm a, I'm a very visual guy and I think that cocktails should be very visual too. Um, but, you know, like, tell me about the, like the process, what's going on with uh, Pier 42 bar and, you know, how you're working on the world-class and, and the story behind that, if you will. Yeah, absolutely. Look, um, also, uh, not just on a competition, I'm trying to create uh, the storytelling, but also at the bar, 
Um, I think like uh, the successful bar is kind of standing on the three pillars. Uh, it's staff, product and atmosphere, right? So as you mentioned that you are also a very visual guy, I think like this is super important thing that the bar is uh, tidy, it's clean, you know, the, the, uh, the lights are dimmed, uh, the atmosphere is nice, there is a correct music, you know, which is like creating the vibe. Of course, like we're coming to the bars mostly uh, or many times like because of uh, the people, because of uh, maybe the staff, we, we find a friend and sometimes we don't really care like we, we just get the gin tonic and it's like it's something what we can make it easily even at home but like we just want to speak to someone you know um but it's a social place so we're coming there like uh, once we celebrate but sometimes once we have a bad day you know and we are alone because our friend is at work we kind of go out uh, so uh, basically we're visiting the favorite bartender and we just hope like uh, that that guy will be working you know so uh so that's a very important element also um about the product uh I think like good cocktails, like you can uh, pretty much in this age uh, get wherever. Um, seriously, um, what we're trying to create at our bar, it's an experience, and that's very different level. You know, uh, it's a uh, like in a history we have been like uh, um, basically creating the product uh, which we have been like changing for the other product. Then we basically got the money. Um, later on in evolution and we have been like buying the 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 product right like we buying the product still nowadays but like now we just not, not just buying the product as a cocktail but we we buying the service uh, uh around and uh kind of service is transactional thing but the the hospitality it's a transformational thing it's really like mm, giving you something else like extra value and uh, how to create this at a bar uh besides the the atmosphere and, and the great stuff which is there with a product, I think like um, you you really want to engage with people, and this is also something what the what the hospitality is about. And storytelling is like extra value to a cocktail for me, uh, because many times we have also people which are coming to the bar which might be shy, for example, and they are dying to speak to someone, but they don't know how to find a way. And uh, the storytelling can be kind of icebreaker thing, you know, like that. Basically, we 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 get in touch with someone, and we yeah. create also like um, we deliver the emotion maybe with the storytelling. It can be like educational, it can be funny, but it can be very touchy. Um, the uh, the the storytelling and uh, the as a human beings, we we love stories, right? Like they are creating emotions, and we are all about the emotions, and uh, that's what we remember because. Many times we don't really remember what has been uh, used in a drink, you know, like what are the ingredients, uh, but we definitely remember how we felt, uh, how the story made us feel, made us feel, or like the bartender, you know, like how was the, the hospitality level, like how was the overall experience, and this is something what we're trying to put a lot of effort also at our bar, you know, to create like the product which is uh, which is uh, creating the emotion and it's. Um, complex you know like even sometimes like it can be paired with the food right like uh, you can uh, use the aromas you can uh, you can uh, you can build up like many things around the uh, around the cocktail it's not just about what is in a glass it's overall experience uh it's multi-sensory experience it's the emotional uh, connection basically engagement with a uh, with a uh, with the guests and uh and basically uh we're putting a lot of effort there yeah, to create create uh, the experience uh for, for the guests, not just like serve a, a cocktail, you know, they, they can buy the good cocktail, wherever. And uh, that's the reason why also many guests that are coming to our bar again, because uh, we become friends, uh, they feel good there and they can see like a lot of uh, extra value, which they which they get uh, for uh, for the for the price, not, not just a cocktail, you know, so. Yeah, 
Absolutely. And I, I love everything you're saying there. And, mm-hmm. and one of my favorite things too, when it comes to creating that relationship with your guests, and this is something that, you know, you really have to read the room because if mm-hmm. it's like a couple that's on a date, maybe, you know, they're on their honeymoon or something and they're trying to just be into each other. Um, but sometimes it's like introducing those people to the people who are sitting next to them. Oh yeah. You know, that's, that's a big one to me because then, you know, you're, you're opening up a conversation, you're a, a bigger conversation, which is also, especially if you're in the weeds, if you're like really busy and you're trying to bake yeah, drinks it's and saving, tickets, you know, it's saving you. It saves you <laughs> <a little bit. laughs> but, it's, sure. it's, but it makes them feel like you're like, Oh, have y'all met? Oh, they're from, these people are from, uh, you know, from Turkey and these people are from LA, you know, you should talk about like your experiences. And, and then they're like, man, thanks Absolutely. for introducing us. And then they end up going to dinner together or, you know, whatever, going to a winery mm-hmm. or something, you know, another bar. So I think that's a big part of it too. Greg, you were about to say something. Well, I was just going to say that, you know, I, 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 I was kind of going to say the same thing is that, uh, you know, we, I'm, I'm a huge fan of storytelling. We're, uh, uh, award nominated storytellers here on the, <laughs> uh, several times over. In fact, award winning also. Hey, that's true. That's true. If it's tales, we're nominated, but we've won other awards. Let's not, let's not downplay it. That's true. That's true. We're 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 good at our jobs, basically, is what I'm saying. And it it, it sounds like you're you know your approach to to storytelling. You this is a word that you hear tossed around a lot when people are talking about like making drinks. But I think a lot of the times it's done in the context of you know what are these ingredients in this cocktail telling but it sounds to me like your approach is more kind of like involving your guests in that narrative which i you know is the is the reason why people drink socially you know you want to yeah if if you no one wants to go out and have a boring night you want to go out and then come back and when your friends are like hey man what'd you get up to last night we lost you to to be able to have that moment of like oh dude you're not going to believe this story but uh, and, and I, it sounds like that's kind of your approach to, to bringing people into your world at Pier 42. Yeah, absolutely. Look, like drinking should be fun somehow. Right. And, um, <laughs> and, uh, and I think like, uh, yeah, uh, it's, it's more like kind of, as I, as I mentioned before, it's social thing, you know, we're trying to connect with the people, uh, product it's, it's something what we of course serve, but like we serve also much more around, and uh, that's that's great opportunity to to uh, to connect uh, with the people and and turn them in, uh, into into the friends or uh, the, the the guests which are coming more often to the bar. So I think like this is very important. Like of course, like we we need to gain the knowledge and uh, and uh, apply that like in a in a creative process. Once like it's evolution of the bar industry, obviously, uh, but still it's hospitality. You know, like uh, and. Uh, Speaking about like uh, that, I added like uh, this much of salt once I have been uh, doing my fermentation, and like who, who cares about that? Like from the guests, you know, like if some <laughs> nerd, bar nerd is coming, of course, like okay, we can we can talk about that, yeah. But uh, but imagine like I'm I'm always trying to imagine, for example, like my mom is coming to the bar, you know, uh, is she interested about that or no? Uh, it's not. I will lose that attention straight, right? So like, uh, sure. That's also like a very, uh, very good uh, kind of judge, you know, once uh, once you're creating the cocktail, like uh, we want to put it on the menu or I don't know, we want to uh, compete with that. Like uh, many times I'm speaking about the uh, bar t- about this, like to bartenders which are competing, like the, the best judge like for your cocktails will be someone uh, who has uh, no connection to the industry. 
So it can be my mom, mm-hmm. it can be a bus driver, it can be architect, it can be whoever else, because like they care only about it if it is tasty or not. So I know, simply like bus also like every- drinking. By the way, <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> maybe some mocktails, uh, but uh, but but you know, like that's good. that's great, um, or that's the that's the way how I'm trying to look on that. You know, uh, the product needs to be tasty. You know, and like seriously, many people they don't care about it, like how you really created it. You know, it's it's more uh, uh, it's uh, much more interesting to to hear about like connection, like why you actually use these ingredients and you put it together in a story and and you you sold it. You know, like. Um, if you will have a look on the on the many stories of the companies which are creating any kind of product, they always uh, are trying to create a story to a story to sell it. Uh, why? Because like people, they can find themselves there. They emotionally can engage with that product and they will buy it. Right? If you just like say, oh, like buy this toothpaste because like uh, there are uh, these chemicals inside uh, or like these ingredients or whatever, so on. Like mm, I, I don't know. Like if I should buy it, you know. Like if if you will tell me. The, the the story that's um, that, uh, that is actually one uh, one company which is uh, producing like kind of pa- uh, mental pastels you know it's called a fisherman's friend and I think like this is oh, yeah. just like uh, <laughs> s- s- uh, they told a great storytelling just by the by the name of the company you know like uh, uh, it's it's telling you everything and and then you might buy it you know because like okay it's probably like helping me really to improve my freshness of the bread or what so what so on. Uh, but uh, yeah, I, I think like storytelling, it's a it's a great tool to um, to sell something or a great tool to to successful business in general, you know. Uh, and that's what we're trying to also create at the bar. Well, For I was sure. jealous of the bar scene in Oslo, and now I'm a little bit jealous of the toothpaste scene there. As well. <laughs> that, that sounds way more fun than what I have in my medicine cabinet at home. Um, I want to talk a little bit here about uh, world class because you're kind of a you're you you are a little bit of an elder at this point in world class, and we have the finals coming up uh, in you know a little under two months here in Sao mm-hmm. Paulo, and I sort of I, I wanted to ask if that was something that you had a little bit of a, a role in as someone who's been such a big player in that in the past, and just kind of how you view the competition now that you've you know been through it and gotten your accolades, and and how you see your role in that world now. Mm, it's look like world class as i said like it's an amazing platform which is uh helping us to become uh, uh, better bartenders to gain the knowledge to um to basically push the boundaries definitely and uh, it's testing us kind of from from each corner of the industry you know like on this competition we learn how to work with the flavors but maybe how to pair them with the food we learn uh, a lot of like brand knowledge we learn for example how the blended whiskey is made yeah um or like we work uh, under pressure for example one, one of the rounds which we had like six years ago in the miami uh like last round has been uh, opening on Popa bar in 24 hours so it's also testing you now uh, from kind of organization side right like how we can organize how we can uh, uh, do your management things um so um it is basically um, amazing platform which is helping us to become better, and that's also what, uh, what how I see that till nowadays, or what I'm trying to explain to to the bartenders which are competing all around the world that you don't actually compete against each other, but you compete against yourself, and that's uh, what I what I what I try to do also, and I actually I did uh, once I have been coming back after six years um, to be better than the, than the top six, you know, and. Um, and uh, now, yeah, like last year has been uh, quite crazy. You know, it's it's amazing achievement to to win uh, this competition globally, but it's also a big responsibility. Uh, definitely, people they are 
kind of um, looking up to you and like uh, they are trying to absorb your knowledge or gain the inspiration. And uh, you, you need to be very careful, uh, like where you kind of leading people, you know, which direction you go. And uh, I try to I try to do my best like uh, all around the world this year. Um, the year is coming to the end uh, soon uh, somehow since we will have a new champion uh, in a September. But I seriously can't wait to to see all of these uh, country winners in a, in a Sao Paulo because uh, I judge this competition uh, on a, on a national levels uh, in a, in a many markets around the world uh, where I have been like doing also guest shifts and some master classes and, and judging. And uh, then I saw like many, many people which, uh, which will come to Sao Paulo. And, um, and uh, now my role will be basically also, uh, I will be figuring as judge on a, on a global stage for, for some of the rounds. And um, I, yeah, I can't wait uh, to be there, you know, because it's amazing event when, uh, where so many talented people are coming and they are giving their best uh, in, uh, in the different uh, days. Or rounds and uh, it's it's super inspiring so um fingers crossed to all the people which are now uh, preparing and they are in a final run uh with the preparations for for a global stage and uh and uh, i'm looking forward to to see uh who will be uh, the next champion and how the industry will be uh evolving uh, uh day by day or year by year you know we uh we we should always constantly be trying to, I, I like what you said, competing against yourself, right? It's like, we should always be trying to improve ourselves in, in, in any way we can, right? As a bartender, as a person, your life, work balance, sustainability, all these things. I, I think that that's a, that's a really great way of putting it. Um, and, you know, for, for the industry being where it is right now, I think it's at a really good place for that kind of, that kind of thought process, you know, it's like, it shouldn't be uh, my drinks better than yours. It's like, I'm just going to make myself better. And I think that's kind of what, what sustainability and self uh, health improvement and wellness. I think that's what it's all about. It's just like kind of make, if we all make ourselves better then we make each other better. Right. Absolutely. That's a, that's a big yeah. through, you know, like, um, I, I kind of like that you, you speaking uh, about the sustainability in this way, uh, that, uh, you, you putting like, uh, balance in between the personal and, uh, and working life, for example. Uh, that was also the thing which, uh, which we had this um, on a world-class competition last year. We had this uh, beautiful community project, uh, Garnish with the Good, with, uh, with the Kettle Von Vodka, which is happening already for a couple of years. And uh, it's all about the sustainability and, and sharing the good to, to the community of people. And uh, that was something what I focused uh, on uh, in my project. Uh, and that was exactly called Debalance, actually, uh, which has been um, trying to, or I try to help people to, to, to find this balance between, uh, between working and, uh, and a personal uh, life. We have been like, going to the nature. Uh, we have been doing some foraging, but also like, uh, for example, in the cold months where there is obviously nothing growing here in Norway. So we did, for example, cold baths, you know, and breathing exercises and so on. Uh, we have been also trying to, uh, to help the planet a little bit and, uh, and uh, cleaning up the, 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 the world waters, you know, uh, from, from the plastic wastage, which then we collaborate with a company which has been reusing uh, this, uh, this wastage uh, and, and creating a nice uh, coast 
testers, uh, which we have been using then in the bars. Oh, wow. So, um, so I, I think, uh, you know, many people, they, they think about the sustainability just in a way um, that how we use our ingredients, but it's like much deeper. You know, it's, uh, it's at first, uh, we should kind of uh, feel good, you know, because like if, if I'm overloaded and, and I don't have my private life, I, I've, my condition, uh, it's bad, you know, like I, I feel, I feel sick pretty much. Yeah. Uh, it's, um, it's very hard to then absorb or like mm, uh, find the energy to do some uh, some uh, steps, you know, uh, forward. Because then, like, uh, my life is about that. Like that, I feel good, uh, I feel bad, and I want to become kind of better, you know. And then I can uh, maybe uh, become a part of some process, you know, of uh, evolution or or improvement. Yeah. Like if 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 someone feels bad. And you come to someone and you say like, oh, like you look like these are the ingredients and we should use that in this way. It's like, give me a break, you know, like I, I have like so many problems in my life now, right? So, <laughs> yeah, so yeah. at first we need to kind of feel good uh, and live in a sustainable way that we can basically uh, st- uh, do a s- uh, step forward and, uh, and uh, then think about like, for example, sustainability of ingredients or like businesses or what so on so i i think i like the approach uh, which you brought uh, here that uh, that uh, it's all about uh, all about the balance also not just about like reusing ingredients right yeah absolutely cool. well hey adrian where i know we're at the end of the show we can talk about this forever and it's it's been really great having you on the show uh you know i and i really appreciate all the work and all the thoughtfulness you're putting into your work and your in in life right and uh yeah, it's just like, congrats on everything you've got going on. And we'd love to have you back on the show sometime to continue the conversation. So cool. you're always, always welcome on the show. And, well, and also, by the way, Greg, we got to get this guy to New York City. He said he's never been to New York City. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's never been to New York City. <laughs> and, and he's, and he, you work at a bar that's named after a pier in New York City, right? Do I have that correct? Yeah, absolutely. You know, like we have a very, very strong connection to New York, actually. Uh, because the building, uh, building where the bar is situated, or the hotel now, has been used as a headquarters offices for shipping company Norwegian American Line, which has been helping immigrants to 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 get to the land of the opportunities uh, uh, in the New York City. Yeah? Uh, so uh, it will be it will be a pleasure to to uh, to visit the New York. I'm, I'm planning definitely to come. Uh, maybe we do some guest shift somewhere, or we just like meet up for a drink, guys. It will be it will yeah, be totally. pleasure to to spend some time with you. Absolutely. We can man. do it at Grand Army. We can do it wherever you want. And we'll uh, share a boot full of champagne. <laughs> Coming soon to Grand Army's winter menu. Yeah, exactly. Learn about the real sustainability. Huh? <laughs> awesome. Well, hey, Adrian, thanks right. again for being on the show today. Uh, it's been a real pleasure. Everyone go check out Pier 42 in Oslo, Norway. Just go to Oslo anyway. I mean, it's, it's Oslo. It's freaking amazing. Um, and uh, thanks, Greg, for being on the show with me today. Good luck for getting on your flight later today to New Orleans. Um, Thank you. Let me know how that goes. Uh, go and have another tall boy of, you know, I was just going to say, l- luckily you were at LaGuardia. You, you did make, or sorry, you were at JFK. You didn't go all the way to Newark, you know, and then find out oh, that your Christ. flight was, that would have been terrible. Um, but, I probably would have had to move there and just be like, yeah, there's no, there's no, I just live here now. There's I no live way here for now. me to get back. Yeah. <laughs> good luck. Good luck, Greg, uh, for, with the flights. Guys, thank you very much for having me. It was a pleasure. And uh, like for Absolutely. everyone, like once you will be visiting uh, also, uh, just drop me a message. I will be very happy to host you at the bar. Right? Absolutely. Cool. Hell yeah. All right. Well, that's cool. it for the Speakeasy this week. Check out many more programs like this one. And until next week, cheers, y'all. Cheers.
The Speakeasy is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food and drink radio supported by you. Keep in touch at heritageradionetwork.org slash subscribe. <laughs>